This is the Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Morning, everybody. This is Patrick Donahoe. Welcome to the Wealth Standard Radio, and we are on episode 171. And I have a treat for you today. So most of you guys that have been listening for a while know that we did our Cashflow Wealth Summit this past week, and this one was a little bit different. Instead of being two days, it was about a half a day. And as opposed to having multiple topics, we had one specific, uh, just targeted theme we wanted, which was real estate investing. And so what we're going to do is is broadcast the audio of one of my favorite presentations. And of course, I'm biased, but these are two of my favorite guys, Brad Gibb and Ryan Lee. And they're going to basically be giving you guys an idea of how the perpetual wealth strategy works with a real estate investment, whether it's a property or a fund uh, or anything else that has to do with investment in real estate. So, you guys are going to love it. If you want to go on to the YouTube channel, we're also going to put uh, the video on there so you can see these guys. But I hope you, uh, hope you enjoy. And uh, that's about it. If you do want more information about the summit itself, just go to cashflowwealthsummit.com. Uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to have all of the videos on demand. And so, you're not going to want to miss it. We had some incredible speakers, anything ranging from mortgage lending, uh, to a specialist in the tiny home movement. That was killer. I love that. Was also, I don't know, it's kind of hard to debate between uh, Brad and Ryan's presentation and that one because that was really, really good. But there's some good topics there. If you are a real estate investor, definitely check that out. Again, the website is cashflowwealthsummit.com. That's it. We'll see you next week. All right, guys, welcome to the Cashflow Wealth Summits. We are super excited that you're here with us today. And I'm going to tell you this right away. You are in the right spot. Today, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be taking a lot of the information that you've learned today and or over, over the course of the Cashflow Wealth Summit, and we're going to be giving it kind of a foundation, a system below it. And we're going to show you how to operate no matter who you are and no matter what you're doing. Hopefully, it's real estate. Um, but no matter what you're doing, we're going to show you a way to do it better. And if that doesn't pique your interest, right, I don't know what will. So let's make it happen. My name is Ryan Lee. Hi, and I'm Brad Gibb. I've been doing this together. Ryan, we've known each other for how long now? Gosh, 10 years. Almost 10 years. And I've been helping other clients understand this system and implement it uh, themselves for about the last five. And like I said, Ryan and I have been using this ourselves uh, and using it to build our wealth for about the last 10. Yeah, and that, that's the super exciting stuff about this presentation. This, this is something that, that we have done for a long, long time. So a lot of what we're going to be presenting, we've worked out the kinks and the bugs and we've, we've tinkered with it and we've made it better over time. Um, but when I met Brad for the first time, you know, Brad, he is really good at numbers, right? And I'm, I'm kind of a process guy. And so we brought the two of those worlds together and we, we really formed a, a, an awesome way to invest in real estate. So we both came to Paradigm as clients. We've mm -hmm. been clients first and foremost before we've ever taught any of this to, to other people. And I think specifically over the last five years, give or take, we had a lot of people asking us, hey, what, what is it that you guys are doing? How are you doing you know, this real estate? Why aren't you putting money into your 401k and stuff like that? And that's, that's kind of how we made our tra transition from where we were before to coming over to uh, Paradigm as, as a wealth strategist. And now we get the unique pleasure of working with people one-on-one -on -one and finding out what your goals are and how we can help you achieve those goals more effectively and more efficiently than anything else out there. Yep, and you're probably wondering what this is on the screen. We're gonna get to that in a minute, but one thing I wanted to point out before is as you're getting educated, you need to understand the difference between a current tactic and something that is, is a strategy built on principle that's gonna work regardless of market conditions, right? Ryan, we've invested, I bought my first property in 2005. Eww, pretty bad timing, right? So we've gone from the up of the market down to the very bottom, and then we've seen this climb back up, and we've built this system based on principles that are going to apply regardless of what the market is doing. And that's key. And I know that, that other speakers today, especially Jason Hartman, they touched on where we are in the market and what we need to be aware of to make sure that we're not taken by surprise. And we feel like this is going to be a perfect add-on to make sure that our investing aligns with the principles that are going to make it through regardless of what the market's doing. Absolutely. So let, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's not talk about finance. Let's talk about mountain climbing. Yeah, Brad, what, awesome. what, why do we have this mountain up here? Well, we if you don't know, we're based in Salt Lake City. So we're right at the foothills of some of the most beautiful mountains uh, anywhere in the world. And Ryan 
and I, we both spend a lot of time in the outdoors, albeit in different seasons. Ryan's mountain biking, hiking, more of a summer guy. I'm looking forward to this time of year where we're entering winter because I like to snowmobile and, and get out there. But for us, the way we like to relate to our clients about what a financial plan looks like is, is a lot like climbing a mountain. Now, I want to tell you a quick story or an analogy here to, to get us to understand this. Let's say that you enter a, that midlife crisis moment and you want to do something to get that adrenaline flowing again. So you decide on a wild hair, you're going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, something, something crazy. So you train for a long time, you get on an airplane, you're flying over there and the person next to you says, you know, strikes up a conversation, where are you going, what are you doing? And uh, you respond, well, I'm going to go climb Mount Kilimanjaro. What if that person next to you said, well, what's your goal? What are you trying to accomplish? You might stutter through your answer because it's so obvious that your goal is to get to the top of the mountain, right? That's, that's, why, we, that's why we climb. But when you get there and get set up at base camp, let's say that you're hiring somebody to help you through that journey to get you to the top. And you're interviewing, let's say, three different individuals that, that are going to help you through that process. And let's say that the first guy stands up and says, I have a 100% success rate of getting my clients to the top of the mountain. Right away, you're going to say, this is my guy. But then what if under his breath, he kind of mumbles, but coming back down, it's more like 50-50. Did your goal just shift a little bit? Did you realize that, yes, we want to get to the top of the mountain, but that's not the end of the journey? we also have to be able to come back down that mountain safely. And unfortunately in financial planning, we're focused too much on the ascent, getting to the top of the mountain, and we don't have a plan to then come back down and actually enjoy that wealth. And that's a lot of where our system is gonna come into play. This side of the mountain is kind of the product discussion. This is, is it single family homes or multifamily or is it the stock market or bonds or whatever it might be? That's, that's where that discussion takes place quite a bit. But connecting that to how that wealth is actually going to impact our life is the part where the system needs to come in and be discussed. Because there's lots of different products, even within the world of real estate, that can get us where we want to go as long as we understand what the ultimate objective is, Ryan? You got it, you got it. And I think real estate investors, you guys understand this almost better than anyone out there. You know, so much of the financial world, they focus and tell us, hey, we want to build a big net worth, right? You want to have a lot of money in a 401k or an IRA or a big bank account balance. But at the end of the day, no one really ever talks about the real goal. The real goal, it's not having a big balance sheet. It's really all about over here, how we can turn that balance sheet and those assets into a, a stream of income. So here's where we find ourselves at Paradigm Life. We, we work with clients one-on-one, and we get a lot of clients that come to us from all different stages of life. And if we think about this mountain as kind of your accumulation phase of life, you know, you're working, you've got an income coming in, and you're saving that income, clients come to us and they're, you know, maybe up here, close to the top of their mountain. They're in their early 50s, and they're starting to look at what they've done up to this point, and they realize if, if they've used traditional strategies, a lot of them realize that they don't have enough, right? The strategies and what they thought they were going to have at age 50 or thereabout isn't quite enough. And now they're starting to get a little bit worried about retirement. We also have clients that come in down here and they see what their parents have done and they want to do something different, right? So no matter who you are, real estate is a very, very applicable concept to, to financial planning because again, what is the whole purpose of financial planning? It's not to have a big balance sheet, it's to really have income. So let's talk a little bit about real estate specifically and then we'll come back and talk about the system. Awesome. Yeah? So the reason that you're here and the reason that you're looking and considering real estate is probably the very same reason I did it. I remember in 2008, I had been out of college for about four years and one thing that I was taught very well as a child was how to save money. In fact, my 16-year-old birthday, you want to know what my birthday present was? It was a contribution to a Roth IRA. And every present that I got from that point forward was another contribution to an IRA. My dad taught me diligently the value of saving, and I I greatly appreciate that. And so out of college, I remember um, getting my first job and sitting down with my first financial planner, my HR advisor, and uh, he's telling me, hey, you, you know, you've got a company-sponsored 401k, you should put money into this 401k, and of course I did it. Now, and I looked at my, my, you know, my spreadsheet there, and I saw all these different funds with different acronyms and you know, letters, and all, everything had a number by it. And so obviously I picked the ones with the biggest number. I said, man, I want that number. Mm-hmm. That's my financial plan. And I thought, okay, I've got it made, right? My money's in the 401k, I'm getting my company-sponsored match. I've got it made. 
So I put my money in and you know I saved and saved and saved. Every time I got a, a raise, I put more money into my 401k. And I remember just like probably anyone watching this video in 2008, everything kind of fell apart around me. Now, granted, I wasn't on the verge of retirement, but I realized for the first time, I was not in control, all right? As I watched about 60% of what I had saved up to that point fall apart, I realized at that point I needed a different plan. So I started looking into real estate and my job at the time, I was traveling all over the world. And so I used my plane flights from East Coast to West Coast. I used it to read all these books and I felt like everything I was reading was more of the same. It was, hey, do this stock market strategy, just tinker with it this way. I didn't want something, you know, I didn't want something that everyone else was doing, just a little different variation of that. I wanted something different. And it wasn't until I read one of the most impactful books that I've ever read, which is Rich Dad Poor Dad. If you haven't read that, pause this webinar as much as I hate to say it and go read that book first. <laughs> it's an amazing book, but he tells you that what a true asset is in that book and real estate fits the bill perfectly, investment real estate. So let's talk about the benefits of real estate and how, how this can really help you out. Now, remember the mountain. Let's say you come and you're trying to accomplish what it takes most people 40 years to do. And you know, you're 50 and we realize, hey, we've got to do this quickly. So we're going to try to compress our time frames from time frame from 40 years down to 10 to 15 years. So how does real estate help us do this? So yeah, real and, estate. And really quickly, Ryan, just to make this distinction, when you were building your first financial plan that went down in flames in 2008, you were looking at it and saying, I just want the highest return. Yeah. And what did what were you told you needed to take to, to get that? I was young. I could afford to do it. So take more risk. Right. right? Take more risk. What so is your risk tolerance? tolerance? What is your risk profile? That's right. that's 90 percent of the conversation that your financial planner has with you. Yep. And when you ask me what my risk tolerance is, it's zero yeah. because risk is your willingness to lose money. And I'm pretty conservative. I don't like to lose money. So as we go through real estate, we want to begin to decouple this idea here. We don't have to take more risk to get more return. And real estate is going to play into that. And then the system we're going to teach you that underlies that, again, our objective is to reduce risk so that our returns can be higher and more consistent overall. Very okay. good, very good. So let's just talk generally about a piece of real estate. Let's say you're going to buy a property. Let's just say it's $100,000, okay? Now, we know that you make money in a lot of different ways with real estate, and that's part of the way we reduce our risk. We're not only counting on one thing if we're using real estate to its fullest potential. So let's say we buy a property and we hold it for a period of time. Over that period of time, real estate is going to appreciate, right? We can expect the value of that property to go up over time. Now, it might ebb and flow, it might go up and it might take a dip, but that's not the only reason that we're investing in real estate. In fact, we call appreciation, it's kind of icing on the cake, right? Because we don't really control it. So the next thing that we're going to have as our property is appreciating, and as we're paying down the mortgage, assuming that we've taken a mortgage on the property, we're going to have an equity position. We're going to come back and talk more about the value of equity in real estate and what can be done with it, what it gives you the option to do. But most real estate investors who are investing for a prolonged period of time, they're looking for one thing and one thing primarily, and it's cash flow, right? They want to make sure that their expenses associated with their property are covered from the rent that they collect and above and beyond that rent uh, or those expenses, they, they profitably cash flow. And there's some metrics that we can talk about specifically that are right that we feel are right, uh, but cash flow is, is the next thing there. The fourth thing is, uh, and I, I think we got this from Tom Wilwright, but Tom Wilwright, if you don't know him, he's a rich dad advisor that, that talks a lot about the tax code. And he says that the tax code is written kind of like a treasure map, right? The, the majority of the tax code is written to tell you how to pay less in taxes. In fact, the IRS, they use the tax code to incentivize you and I to do certain things, and real estate investing is one of those one things, of the best. right? So we get to take tax deductions on, on our property, which means we keep more of our profit. Now, the next way that we make money in real estate is real estate is a hedge against inflation. Most financial planners will talk generally about inflation, but they don't really project that into a financial plan because it is so completely devastating over the long run in a financial plan. But real estate, every couple years, right, what do you do to your tenants and your rent? Raise it, it up. right? You bump it up, you look at what the going market rate is in, in the area, the cost of living is constantly going up, and so we're steadily, incrementally raising rents. Yep. But the cool part about it is the money we borrowed, that mortgage payment stays level, so we force, just like we're forcing equity in our property, we're forcing more cash flow through through this, this hedge component here. You got it, you got it. Now this is probably one of the most powerful tools in real estate, and this is how we compress timeframes. This is how we take what takes most people 40 years and we do it in 10 years or 15 years. And it's through the concept of leverage. 
Leverage is one of the most powerful concepts that when used appropriately and when used um, responsibly will do more for your financial plan than anything else. So think about a, a, a property that we buy for $100,000. Do you need $100,000 in your pocket to buy that property and get all of these benefits? No, we get to leverage someone else's money. And it, with interest rates the way they are today, you get to say, okay, look, I'm gonna take a 30-year mortgage, I'm gonna lock the price of that in at about 4% on an investment property, and my cost, as you said, stay fixed for 30 years. But all I have to do is put 20% down, and yet I get all of these benefits. Now, Ryan, someone might, though, out there who's maybe less experienced with real estate is gonna look at that and say, but isn't leverage risky, right? You're, you're probably thinking that. And yes, we have to understand this, so we don't just dive into this without looking. This is where education comes in. But I'll, I'll tell a little example about leverage. I told you I bought my first property in 2006, and I did not pay cash for it. I made a down payment, right? This was 2005. What happened shortly thereafter to the price of that, right? It fell off a cliff. But did that stress me out or worry? No. No, not at all. Why? Because I bought the property correctly, okay? Now, I would have preferred that, it didn't, that, that the value didn't crater, but even if it did, as long as we're cognizant of all the different ways we make money and we use all of these, then we can use something like this. So I just wanted to put like I said, some of maybe the less experienced people at ease to say, we don't, ha we don't take more risk necessarily by doing this as long as we're understanding how they all work together. Well, and right? you're bringing up a really good point too. I mean, the, the way that we increase our rate of return and decrease our risk, a lot of that has to do with our education, right? We have to know what we're doing. We have to use leverage appropriately. And, and we always call cash flow, it's the sustaining power, right? Yep. That's what gave you the opportunity to ride out the, the market downturn and, and then catch it on the way back up. And what we're gonna show you in a minute is, again, everything comes back to cash flow. Everything comes back to the cash in my pocket that I can use to sustain my lifestyle. Appreciation, equity, hedge, leverage, all of these things end up ultimately feeding the cash flow piece. And we're gonna kind of show an example of how we can use these pieces to, to create additional cash flow for us. And if they don't work out quite as, we, as much as we wanted to or in the time frame that we wanted, because now all my properties are back or, or pretty close because we're sort of at, at the upswing of the market. So my equity and my appreciation is all back, but uh, it's all gonna center on this. So we're gonna tie that together. You got it. Okay? So you're here for real estate. We just showed you all the benefits of real estate. How, here's, here's the awesome thing. This is where we're gonna bring kind of the foundation and the system behind this. And for those of you who know what we do at Paradigm, we specialize in a very, very unique strategy that again, as I said in the beginning, will make anything that you're doing, especially real estate, better. Right, so we now wanna transition away from real estate for a second and remind everybody about some of the core things that we teach before we try to make a connection for you. Cause this is where we get a lot of people confused that come in and say, oh, I wanna make my, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, I'm ready to go. I, I wanna make my money in real estate. My first response to them is that's awesome, but let's take a step back and I wanna teach you this concept right here. Okay, so we focus it. on cash value life insurance, right? Or the private wealth, perpetual, perpetual wealth, wealth yeah. system. Okay. okay. so. We use a, a specifically structured life insurance policy with a couple of main benefits, okay? So we're not gonna go into all the detail and all the specifics. We've got lots of learning and you can do a one-on-one -on -one with an agent to get that. But the main benefits that we teach people that we walk away with on this are a couple things. First off, our objective, like Ryan's writing here, is to build cash value. And we do that through having a guaranteed rate of return. Okay, so the insurance company is not only guaranteeing that you won't lose money, but we're guaranteeing that it will increase every single year, okay? Through the rate of return and then through a dividend. These companies will pay dividends for 150 years, okay? So that's benefit number one. The second benefit is the safety involved. Again, we've got a 150 year history and then the, the business model and the way these, these insurance companies are structured bring incredible amounts of safety. Whether we're talking about systematic shocks to the entire economy, whether we're talking about inflation, whether we're talking about deflation, whether we're talking about stock market crashes, there is no safer place to put our money than an insurance policy. And, right? and let me just chime in on that really quick as well. You know, so many of the, the clients that we talk with, um, especially if they're getting ready for retirement, they come to us with a lot of apprehension, right? I mean, we can hear it when we talk to them and that they're concerned about what's gonna happen next. Who's gonna get elected? What's the stock market gonna do? And their financial plan is built on hope, right? And that, that hope is a great strategy for Sunday. 
But it's a horrible strategy for our financial plan because if we're not in control, if we don't know what to expect, then anything could happen. It might be the best yep. case scenario, it might be the worst case scenario, it might be somewhere in between, but we don't know. Yep. So the, the next benefit after this is that just like real estate, we love this aspect that all of the growth and earnings we earn over here are completely tax free. Okay, if that didn't perk your ears up, I don't know what will, but that, that's a great benefit. Then after that, um, we've also got liquidity. So unlike a lot of investments where you have to sell uh, or it's, it's very market dependent or driven, this is, this is completely independent of that. The account is liquid and then the last part of it that is very important, but it's, it's not where we initiate our analysis is, this comes along with the protection element of a death benefit. Okay? And we go in and we talk about all these things and this is what we spend a lot of our time teaching. But this confuses a lot of people that come in and say, well, I, I thought we were going to talk about real estate and you're talking about all this other stuff. I don't see how this connects. Okay? And what we want to do today is make that bridge and make that connection so that you can see how these benefits accelerate and strengthen what we're doing within the world of real estate. Yeah. Okay. Because once you do see how it connects, um, you know, I, I have a client who I just started working with probably six months ago. And uh, this individual ha is, he's one of those guys that when he gets a strategy, he just runs like crazy and gets it done. And he started investing in real estate about two years ago. Um, it came out of the military, uh, started a, a medical supply company, really successful there, but wanted to get into real estate. And over a space of about two years, and I might even be giving him a little benefit of the doubt. Maybe it was a year. I mean, it was a very short time frame. But this individual worked diligently to acquire almost 80 properties in two years. And I thought yeah. I was doing pretty, pretty <laughs> awesome. And then I talked to this guy and he blew my socks off. But when I shared with this system and he saw how these two things connected, it changed everything for him. And now all of the real estate that he's doing from that point on is done with a better underlining system. So we're going to go back to the real estate, but our liquidity inside of the policy can be used in two ways. We're going to start off talking about using the policy like a bank. And that might, oh, Got it. there we go, bank. We're going to talk about using it like a bank. And this, you know, we're not going to go into the details of how this works. Contact uh, Paradigm Life and we'll, we'll go through that on, with, the, with you on a one-on-one -on -one basis. But let's go back here and talk about how we yeah, can have a better underlying strategy. Ideas, okay? right? So we just talked about, hey, if you're going to put your money anywhere, real estate is probably one of the best places to put it. But what if we have a better system? And we have a system that allows us to set up our finances kind of like a bank. So inside of a life insurance policy, the benefits that we just listed, they line up almost identically to real estate. So number one, inside of a life insurance policy that's structured the way we structure it, your policy is going to appreciate every single year. And this appreciation is in the form of the death benefit. The size and capacity of your policy will get bigger and bigger every single year. Now, as a real estate investor, if you, if you take you know, loans and you're, you're always working with banks, you'll know that once you get past a certain amount of real estate, banks will literally require you to have life insurance as a way to insure your obligation to them. So a death benefit will help you acquire more loans. Death benefits are huge in, in, you know, in just the family situation as well. But your policy is going to have... Um, Sorry, I wrote the wrong oh one. Yeah. So appreciation. Appreciation. Right? So the idea that we have that guaranteed underlying growth uh, the death benefit is what sort of anchors that, and we, we've got that built-in knowledge that over time this asset will become more valuable, very similar to real estate, yep. right? And then the more valuable it gets, just like real estate, we build equity. Wrote those in it. the wrong order, but no, we it's got all that, good. right? So the equity in your policy, and this is, this is the exciting part, the equity in your policy is the cash value. And that's what we focus on when we set up these policies. When we work with a client, we, we find out, hey, what amount of money are you saving? Where is it currently going? And can we find a better spot for it? So we build your policy to maximize the investable portion or the equity portion of the policy, which is literally the cash value. Now, the cash flow that real estate investors receive from their real estate, real estate investors value one thing almost above anything else, and it's liquidity, right? They, they want to make sure that if they get the cash flow from their real estate, if, if their tenant skips town or if something breaks, that they have the ability to fix it and repair the property. Or a lot of times they're, they're saving up their cash flow to make their next acquisition. So most real estate investors today use banks, right? Because they want their money liquid and they want to have it there so they can count on it for repairs and things like that. The cash flow that we have from, a poly or excuse me, from real estate, if we have a better bank now, 
if we have a better place to put our money, we could take that cash flow and we can put it in our policy and receive the same liquidity, right? But now these policies today, they're earning about 5%. So rather than getting 0% in a bank, mm -hmm. we can earn 5% consistently safely, four of, four of which is guaranteed, right? And have the same liquidity. Yeah, and let me, let's run through something really quickly there as an example to, to have this make sense. One strategy that's often taught through real estate investing, and it's not good or bad, but there's a lot of people that say, take your cash flow and do what with it? Oh yeah, pay off the mortgage. Pay off the mortgage yeah. faster, right? And if you added it, if you got a 30 year mortgage but added your cash flow, we should be able to pay off in maybe 15 years, right? Yeah. Which is great because then we get a boost in cash flow and, and all those benefits. But one of the reasons we do that is we look at it and say, well, what's, what's my next best alternative? And right now, putting it in a, in a bank that's not all that stable and that's not paying me a rate of return, that's a, that's a hard thing to do. I'd rather pay it toward the mortgage and then at least save the interest that I'm being charged. But now this provides us a place that we could take that cash flow and store it while at least offsetting the interest and probably earning a little bit more than that. But then it's also positioning it to continue to grow in something somewhere where we control. And if we decide to pay off the house, we can still do that. But in the meantime, we maintain that control rather than having it just sit in our, our what we call our bank account of bricks or in the equity in the house. Totally. So it, it gives us an element of control that real estate investors want and need, but it doesn't come at a huge cost of you know, not building that equity or not paying off the mortgage, not continuing to create that cost, right? You got it. So, and that, that's, that's, that's a huge part of it is having control. Um, I, have, I had the biggest repair that I've ever had in real estate come up about four months ago for me. And had I been cycling my cash flow for my real estate back to paying off my mortgage, I would have been in kind of a tough situation. Because once you yep. give the money back to the bank, they don't just give it back to you. It's, yep. it's gone. It didn't increase your cash flow. It didn't increase your reserves. So we do want to maintain control here. This is probably my favorite part, right? And, and the more you talk to us, the, the more you'll know that we talk a lot about taxes. So remember, the IRS is using the tax code like a playbook, and they want, you, they want you to do certain things. So number one, if you invest in real estate, they're going to give you tax deductions. So we can take now the after-tax profits, after we've taken all the deductions that real estate offers us, and we can put it into a policy where it's earning 5%, and from that point on, it will grow tax-free. I mean, that is taking the tax code and stretching it to its maximum efficiency. So, so you're telling me that I can earn money tax preferred, mm -hmm. in some cases tax free if we do this right, invest it over here, grow it, and then use that plus my earnings without paying any income taxes to buy more real estate? All right, pinch yourself. This is not that's a dream. Awesome, but yeah, right? <laughs> that's exactly how cool it works, stuff. right? So last one, we'll go through these kind of quick. But last but not least, your, your policy is also a hedge against inflation because we talked about the liquidity. You can use your money today when it's most valuable to you. You know, I talk to so many people that come to me and they say, I want to invest in real estate, but I can't. And we look at their financial plan and their money is locked up in a 401k. And the reason that they can't invest in, a, in, in real estate is because they've put their money in a place that they don't have the ability to access and use it. Well, and, and the other big problem with that idea of, of financial planning out for 40 years is we don't know what the dollar is going to be worth. We don't know what the economy is going to be like. We don't know how much income we're going to need. And if we're planning on something that is that far out of our control, it becomes very difficult to to build and, and make those plans. But like you said, Ryan, if we can use it when, the do when it's valuable now and get an asset that we can control and that will move like this, it, it completely changes how we go about doing that process. We're not waiting, like you said, hoping for the result 40 years from now. We're, we're forcing that result right now. Yeah, you got it. All awesome. Okay. Right. So here's the last part though, and this is what brings it all together, right? In your life insurance policy, on the last page we said you have the ability to act like a bank. And what this really means is you have the ability to use more leverage. So in this example, we talked about, hey, if you're gonna put your money in real estate, awesome, do it. It's a great place to put it. But if we have a better system, we call this oftentimes, we call this the and asset. Yeah, so to introduce this, I wanna back up one here. Nope, not here, forward one, haha. <laughs> What happens a lot of times is we share this and clients are like, cool, that's great, I love that. But we're taught in condition that we can only have one or the other. And so we present this and they're looking at this and then saying, great, that's cool, but I also really like what I get from real estate. And if they have to choose, it becomes a very difficult discussion. We have a lot of clients stressing over how much do I put toward real estate and how much do I put toward the policy and it becomes this tug of war between these two strategies. 
And what Ryan's going to go into is going to show us that we don't have to choose between these. We purposely wanted to now line these up and say we get both of these benefits through what Ryan's going to teach here is the and one principle. Yeah, you got it. And that, that again, I mean, we just keep talking about these timelines. If, if you want to take, I mean, look at it this way. Let's say, let's say you're following traditional strategy and you put your money in the stock market. The only thing that you're, you're hopefully getting is appreciation. You're hoping that the value of the stock that you buy goes from one value to another value, and that's all, that's all you get. But if we have this and one system, right, what if we took our money and before we put it into real estate, what if we routed it to a life insurance policy built to maximize cash value and get all the benefits that we just talked about, right? So now our money's doing all of these awesome things. But then we get the opportunity to take leverage, to take a policy loan that we control. And this is a huge aspect. We're so used to going to banks and we, we put our credit on the table. We put um, you know, our, our request for a loan on the table and the banks deliberate and evaluate. And ask for paperwork yeah. and then more paperwork and 25 signatures and then yeah. more paperwork, right? And then they come back and say, okay, yes, 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 yes. We'll grant you a loan, but here are the conditions of the loan. You have to do X, Y, Z. And if you don't do X, Y, Z. We will throw you in jail and take your firstborn <laughs> son and foreclose on everything that you own, right? Yeah. Now, when you take a, a loan from a life insurance policy, Brad, what do they tell us? Uh, here it is. Just tell me how much you want and how quickly you want it. Well, do they make you pay? You know, tell, uh, how much are you going to pay back per month? They don't ask for a payment schedule. There's no repayment amount. There's no, there's no anything. It's just it's the best thing ever. For right. real estate investors, it's awesome, too, because it doesn't impact your debt-to-income ratio, yep. right? It's it, a private loan. It's completely private, completely off the books, and, and, and isn't reported in the way that it normally is. Yeah. So what, what we're doing here is we're, we're funding the policy, and then we're loaning back to our real estate that's then funding the policy. And this becomes sort of an infinite circle. This is where we get the movement of money. Okay? Yeah. If you've ever heard the term velocity, this is how we achieve it. But an example of that policy loan, people do get nervous because they're used to dealing with banks that way. And so a quick story with me, I bought a property and uh, it was a great rental, did a little fix up on it, started renting it out, rented it for about two years. And I was in this process of paying my policy loan back, but it wasn't all the way repaid yet. And I, we had been working on rezoning the area so that it could be multi uh, you know, multi-unit housing. And we got that approved with the city, which means we could take the single family home and turn it into a duplex. And it was laid out perfectly for that. All we had to do is make a couple changes. So we, we did that. But I had this policy loan outstanding against the property. But I had to kick tenants out. And then I started the construction project, which I was promised was going to be three months. Turned out, turned out to be seven. Um, and then, and, and it wasn't for seven months until I started realizing income again. Now, if you're making loan payments for that long, that is a, in addition to the outlay for the renovations, everything would have, been, would have been pretty debilitating. But what we did, or what I was able to do here is, I was able to pause the policy loan payments completely. No one called me up, no one threatened to foreclose, no one from the insurance company was saying, hey, where's our money? I just stopped paying and a discussion. Not only that, I went back into my policy to get the money for the renovation, so I leveraged my renovation cost. Went through the seven months, and then as soon as I got it, now I had two tenants in the same property, so my income doubled. And then I just resumed paying the policy loan. Now I had two income streams to pay back the original loan and then pay back the loan I took out for the renovations. And all the while, I was in complete control of that process. Now it was annoying that it went from three months to seven months, but it wasn't finance, didn't create a financial hardship for me because I was in control of the capital and the loan in the process. Guys, do you see how powerful this Shoot. is? I mean, this is so powerful because here's where we bring it full circle. Your dollar is working in a policy, but that same dollar is now also working in real estate. Your dollar is working in two places at the same time. And, and think of it this way. I mean, this, when I first learned this, it was funny. When I sat down and I first learned this, I was getting a master's degree in finance at the time. And I thought I was smart, man. I thought I was really smart. And I came in and when I learned how a policy loan works and I learned about the, the concept of leverage within a policy loan, my jaw literally hit the ground because I realized I knew nothing about personal finance. I knew a lot of, about how to make other people money in a corporation, but how to make my own money? Gosh, I didn't know anything. Yep. This changed my life. So let's talk about how we bring it all together. You mentioned a really, really key term here of velocity. So this is how we bring it all together. And the reason that we want to bring up velocity is money that sits idle is money that is not working for you. And we're taught to just park our money in these locations, 401ks, IRAs, stock market. And number one, 
the money is parked there. And so just by, by inflation alone, we have to make more than inflation, which is getting harder and harder for many people to overcome over a sustained period of time. So we want our money to move. We also want the ability to use leverage. Those two tools, velocity and leverage, will make all of the difference in your financial plan. So to kind of put this together for you, and this is what we do with people one-on-one -on -one to really say, okay, look, this is where you're at, this is where you're going, here's how we start to bridge the gap, right, we do this. So you're gonna have your policy, it's gonna have cash value in it, okay? What if we took a policy loan and we, we spent the time to increase our education, know what we're trying to buy, and we bought the right type of real estate that's producing a positive cash flow, right? So now on the policy loan, you know, this is where we want to think about this. We want to put as little of our own money into it as we have to, right? Now everyone's strategy is a little bit different, but as a general rule of thumb, if you can put 20% down, put 20% down and use the bank's money for the rest of it. Because if you can borrow their money for three to 4% and earn 15, 20, 25% on real estate, do that all day long, right? So let's say we take a, a policy loan and we use it for the 20% down, plus whatever closing costs or rehab, depending on the type of property that you're buying, whatever you have to put into it. Now, we've bought this property, we've done our due diligence, and we're generating cash flow. Now, when I first got going in real estate, I had, I had a few other people that I got going with, and I remember when they started getting their first cash flow checks, they thought they were rich, right? They had another 300 or 400 or $500 coming in per month, and they went out and they bought a new car, or they went on an extra vacation per year. And that asset didn't really do anything for them. They killed the growth right before it ever got going. So in the beginning, the way I like to think about this cash flow is it's kind of like monopoly money. It doesn't really exist. And the reason it doesn't exist is I have to take this cash flow and I want to repay the loan that I took out. I want to I get all the money back that I put into the deal. And only after that point am I technically profitable. And you don't, this isn't f a legal requirement to have to do this. You can do anything you want with that money. And like I said, no one's going to come bust your door down. But what Ryan's talking about here is think about your 401k. One of the biggest benefits about the 401k, or at least what uh, traditional finance tells you, is you're not allowed to touch it. <laughs> and it keeps you disciplined, right? We want to, to maintain a very similar discipline to where treat this strategy like your 401k. We're not touching this money until retirement time, but we need somewhere to put it. And remember all the benefits of that account, that's where we're gonna put it, is we want to voluntarily put it over here. Yeah, and that's a really good point. I, I always, and again, I, I like cheesy stuff, so this is cheesy too. But I always give this, uh, this analogy, right? Have you ever watched the movie Spider-Man, right? When Spider-Man, when he gets bit by the spider and he's in his, in his uncle's ca car, his uncle says, hey, Peter, with great power comes great responsibility. And with one of these policies, we've been talking a lot about control. You have all of the control, which means you have all of the power. So it's up to you how to use it. But we want to have a strategy, a system to use that power responsibly. And if we do that, that's how we can build something really special. So here, I remember when I bought my first property. Now, I got in in a little bit of a different time frame. I, I bought my properties right after 2008. And so I got to buy, boom, at the bottom. In fact, I, I started buying in Arizona, and I, I was able to buy properties at pennies, I mean, half, 50% below rebuild cost. And so I knew there was a ton of value in that property because before they could start building property again, or new, new property, it, the, the value of that property had to at least get back to rebuild costs. So I, I, my only regret is I wish I had more money. I should have found a way to do more. But nonetheless, that's when I started. But I didn't touch my, my cash flow on the, on the real estate. And in fact, to this day, this, I'm almost nine years into it, I still haven't touched any of the cash flow. You know, I've just been rolling it back into the system. And this is where it gets really powerful. The first loan, it took me almost three, three and a half, four years to pay off. But if I did it once, could I not do it again, right? Yes, of course I could. I, I learned the principles of being a successful real estate investor. Now I made a lot of mistakes and that helped compound and roll forward and do things better as I went along. But if I did it again, all I did is I pushed the repeat button. I took another policy loan. I used it for the 20% down plus my closing costs. This property had cash flow coming in. I used this cash flow to pay back the policy loan. But since I wasn't really ready to start consuming the cash flow from my first property, could I not also take that cash flow and pay back this second loan, but now do it twice as fast? And you can kind of see where this is going. This is where it starts to build some velocity and some excitement. Every time I do this, I can do it faster and faster and faster. And that is really how we take, again, what takes most people years to build. I mean, most people today are in a position where there is a retirement crisis because what they thought they were going to have, they just don't. And so when they start working with us, we teach some very 
basic financial principles. I mean, this is not rocket science, but it is empowering financial principles to show you the system and the strategy to use that control and to use some of these tools to your favor and condense your time frames. Yep. So hopefully that makes sense as to, to the amount of control and, and the, the foundation that we're going to build our real estate on because we don't know what the market's going to do. If you're lucky like Ryan and you... I'm going to say lucky. (laughs) And you get in at the bottom, or if you're like me and you bond in the top and you need to go through a cycle, this allows you to stay in control of the cash flow and the equity that you're building and and have what we call these these opportunity funds and, and everything can center in a place that you control and that you can derive that benefit. And the end result, the faster and faster we do this, our end result is all the way back here. Remember, our objective up here is to maximize and create the cash flow for the ride down. And the faster we're able to move our money, the more in control of the money we're able to do, the the more ultimate cash flow we're gonna end up with uh, at the end. Now, hopefully that, that kind of brings things full circle. And we left out, Ryan, we left out a ton of detail here, right? I mean, this is this is a 30,000 foot view and there's, there's tons more to learn underneath this. We need to learn how the insurance policy works. We need to learn, based on a particular person, whether they're down here in the middle or up toward the top and what resources they have and how much income they have, there's tons and tons and tons of variables that go into actually implementing it. And that's why at Paradigm we've created, first off, Infinite 101, which is what we really want you to go in and dive in and start learning some of those details. And then once you start to get your head around some of the, you know, from 30,000 feet to maybe 10,000 feet, then it's time to meet with an advisor and, and learn how to apply it to you and your strategy and your situation. And that way then you're taking what is your goal for cash flow, how much are you earning, where exactly are you at, and what steps should you take to begin implementing this right away. Yeah, now I'm having a lot of fun. So if you're okay, let's not sign off quite yet. Oh, right? I was A couple off. more things, right? A couple more things, because this, this guy right here, this guy is a genius, and I, I want to just impart some of his knowledge on you. We, we get a lot of people that come to us and they say, you know, I've got money in an IRA, and I'm going to self-direct my IRA, and I'm going to buy real estate in an uh-huh. IRA, right? Yes, they do. And this is something that we wanted to hit here, because I don't think too many people, I mean, they look at all the benefits of real estate, and they say, boom, I'm, hitting, I'm using my IRA, and I'm going to, I'm going to invest in real estate. We strongly caution against that for a few reasons. Yeah, and if, if you've read anything by Tom Wheelwright, and if you haven't, as soon as you finish Rich Dad, Poor Dad, read Tax-Free Wealth, because he talks about the, the dangers or, or the drawbacks of using a self-directed IRA to buy real estate. He, he explains it like <clears throat> you, you've got vehicles that do certain things with taxes. So an IRA reduces your taxes, so it's kind of like a negative sign, right? So an IRA is like a negative sign. It reduces your taxes. Today. Today. Well, depending, right? At at least that's what it's designed to do is reduce your income taxes. But then if you take that and put it into another vehicle like real estate, which does what for taxes? Reduces your taxes. In basic math, a negative number times a negative number equals what? That's not right. Come on, two, two tax advantages? It can do that. You can end up actually paying more income taxes if you put your real estate within an IRA. Okay, so there's, that's one thing, but there's a couple other downsides to an IRA, even this world of self-directed IRAs where you feel like, well, I'm in total control. We lose a couple of other main benefits. Let's go back okay. to the real estate and talk about that. You keep going, I'll get there. The, one of the big, big benefits we lose is leverage. Right? It is hard to borrow money when you're trying to put up your own IRA assets. And the reason is, is the bank has to lend to someone. Now, when you're taking a loan, the bank knows it can go after Ryan and your assets and, and every, everything else that's connected to you. So they're a little bit, they've got some more assurance behind that loan. But when you want to buy real estate in your IRA, who are they lending to? Not Ryan. They're lending to his IRA. Now, how much income does your IRA have? None. None, right? What other assets besides the IRA can they go after? Can they ding the credit score of that? Can they garnish wages? No, they're in a lot less secure position. So most banks will lend less, if anything, anything yeah. against an IRA. So most of the time, the, the money in your IRA is zero. So think about, let's say you and your wife are maxing out your IRAs at $6,000 a year. If I need $20,000 to buy a $100,000 property, how long do I have to wait? Four years, two years? Two, well, if you're both putting in oh, six, six grand, yeah, 12 yeah. grand a year, $24,000, you can get there in about two years. 
What if I can't use leverage? How long does it take me to buy a property? A lot longer. Five years, right? To get to that $100,000. How much cash flow, appreciation, principal pay down, and tax benefits are you giving up by trying to do it inside of, of an IRA? Ooh. To try to get that just simply that tax benefit. Well, and, and we were talking to a young man, I don't know, it's probably been about eight months now. And th this guy was young, 30 years old, right? And he was just out crushing it doing real estate, but he was doing everything in an IRA because that's what traditional, you know, if you're going to take a little bit of a step outside of the market, the next best alternative that traditional finance will tell you is do it within an IRA. And so we, we went back to the mountain analogy and we said, hey, man, what is your goal? What are you trying to accomplish here? And he was trying to accomplish financial freedom, right? He wanted enough cash flow to overcome his expenses. Now, this guy was 30 and his money was going into an IRA, which means it's locked up until when? 59 and a half. And when he realized that he couldn't take his money out, the cash flow out of his, out of his IRA until 59 and a half without a 10% penalty, everything came, crumble, came crumbling down around him. He realized that he missed the bigger picture. Yes, he was buying real estate. Yes, he was doing good. He wasn't using leverage, which, you know, he, he was just crushing it going fast, but he missed the big picture. It was all about cash, not at 60, but now. But now, yeah. yep. So he was, in essence, penalized for doing well. Yeah. Because if he made financial independence at 40 or 45, he now had to find something to do until 59 and a half. Well, and, and right? here, going back to that income too, um, you know, we're in election season and I don't know if you guys have watched any of these uh, debates. They have been an absolute circus. It makes me kind of embarrassed. <laughs> but it doesn't matter who gets elected, right? If you and I are going to take a bet right now, where are taxes going? Five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years, years from now. Are they going up? Are they going down? Are they staying the same? It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't really matter. Get that control out of the government's hands. Protect your income. Have the ability to, to have things come well, back and, to you tax And you can control the taxes through how you do real estate. You yeah. don't need... We already have the tax benefit. We don't need the, the other shell. If you're investing in the stock market or a few other strategies that don't offer the tax benefits, then the, the, the shell becomes valuable. But what people miss out on is we already have the tax benefits. Why then give up leverage and control? And then the other big uh, issue is if you're in a traditional account, you've got minimum requ required distributions, which is going to force you to sell the very asset that you want come 70 and a half. Doesn't matter if the market's down, doesn't matter if you need the cash flow, doesn't matter what's going on, you're gonna have to be forced to sell those properties. So we've got a lot of downsides in an IRA that by the way, none of this exists within the insurance policy. We don't have the negative times the negative is a positive because both are completely tax-free regardless of when we use them. We can still use leverage because we can add the cash value to a traditional loan. We don't have the 59 and a half, we don't have the minimum required distribution, we don't have all those issues and restrictions that come along with using a self-directed IRA that you feel like you're in control of. Good, good point there. I'm not sure, we, I'm, I'm sure we have a lot of people from different walks of life here. So I'm, I'm gonna throw one more tidbit out there. We, we kind of hit on it earlier. I wanna, I wanna go back to it, it's the equity inside of real estate. Um, this is something that I talk to more seasoned real estate investors about quite a bit, right? Um, you know, I think a lot of times we get kind of trapped into thinking that the equity is a good thing, right? That we have $100,000 of value inside of a property or $200,000 of value inside of a property. But that's, that's this person speaking. Yeah, and right? depending on what Not stage of life person. you're in and, and what your ultimate goals are, you know, it might be fine to have homes paid off and free and clear. Sure. So there's, there's no, it's not do, this is bad and this is good, but here's something to think about, right? The last probably seven or eight properties that I've bought, I have not put any of my own money into it. Now that might sound kind of interesting, but what I did is I have real estate that I bought several years ago. And over the course of the last seven, eight, nine years, I've been steadily paying those mortgage payments down. And so as the value of the real estate is going up and my liability is going down, I have all of this equity. And so I can have a balance sheet and I can say, hey, my property is valued at this and I only owe this. I've got all of this, this value here. But what do we call that? Bank account of bricks. Bank right? account of bricks, right? It's just a number on a piece of paper. And we all know 2008 can happen and that equity might disappear tomorrow. So here's some of the things that, that I've been doing to acquire more real estate. And it comes back to your cash flow and what you're trying to accomplish. But I've been doing cash out refis. Interest rates are historically low today. So I can go back to the very same bank and I can say, look, my property is valued at X, I owe X. And there's you know $100,000 of equity here. Most banks today will allow you to take about 70. Some of them will let you up to 75% loan to value. 
Um, so I can pull more, I can add on to my mortgage and say, okay, give me all the equity into my, uh, give me a loan for all that equity and increase my mortgage. So my payment goes up a little bit, but remember my, my cash flow has been going up because I'm steadily increasing rent, so I'm able to cover that. And now that equity that I take back, I've got it and I can use it and I can buy more real estate with well, it. Where, and are you gonna, where, my, where would you put it? Under your, under your pillow or in your mattress or well, coffee can buried in your backyard? We came up with this really cool circle. Where, where was that circle? Oh, we could put it into a life insurance policy, right. right? Where it's protected, where it's a guaranteed growth, and where it's usable for the next investment. So whether we want to roll that into the next property and acquire a larger asset base and increase our cash flow that way, or the other great thing about the, the policy, remember, it produces cash flow on its own. So if we just wanted to put it there and increase our cash flow through the policy in a location we control and leave our properties a little bit more leveraged, our cash flow may come out to be exactly the same with, a, with, with the property free and clear or with the property leveraged and the equity and the insurance policy providing the difference, but it just strengthens your position as an investor. You got it. So we, we've been kind of, I mean, we've hit a lot of things on real estate. Let's go back to the beginning because I think what you just said is the ultimate thing here, right? We, we're talking about how to, how to you know, take a, a person's financial plan and, and you know, decrease time frames, right? So think about that whole process that we just talked about. You're putting money into a life insurance policy. We're taking a policy loan and buying real estate. We're using the cash flow from the real estate to pay off the policy loan. And we just push the repeat button. We do it over and over and over again. And one of the unique things that comes from that is an element of focus. We become really, really good at doing that. And we become better and better in every, every investment that we make. Not every, but a lot of the investments that we make get better and better. But at the end goal, one day we want, we want to hit our financial freedom or retirement or whatever we want to call it. And it really comes back to the whole thing we were saving for to begin with, which is cash flow. So let's say that you've been building your real estate portfolio and your money has been compounding in a policy and it comes time to now start to take income from that. Turn your assets into a stream of income. So eventually you're going to spend the cash flow from your real estate. You haven't done it for nine years, but eventually you're going to, right? We almost Hopefully. did. Yeah, we almost did. We were about to, to buy a lot. We ended up backing out because I think we're kind of at the peak in, in our area. But no, nonetheless, yeah, we're, we're going to use it. I mean, that, that's always been our goal. But And this is getting horrible, but that says real estate. All right for you. All right, thank you. So if we're ready to start taking our income, remember we were saving a dollar, but we were leveraging the value of that dollar and putting it in two places. And so now when we decide to reap, reap the benefits of the harvest, we get to collect income from not only the real estate tax advantage, but also from a life insurance policy tax free. And from an income standpoint, there's not many better scenarios than that. Yep. So having, having it do two things at once. And then the last one, I'll kind of, I don't want this to get out, but I really don't like real estate. To be honest about, I mean, who loves, who really just gets jazzed about real estate? I like what it does for me. I don't particularly care for the day to day. So when I'm 85, I don't know that I care to have money coming from real estate, but this gives me the ability to then shift that back to something that is secure, tax advantaged, something that I can count on if I, if I want to get rid of this and just use it to help me get to the top of the mountain and then shift it all to something that I don't have to manage, right? Just full of options for what, what we can do with our capital. Yeah. So guys, I hope you've enjoyed this presentation. Really what we want to impart on you is no matter who you are, no matter what stage of life you're in right now, and really no matter what you're doing. It, we talked about real estate today. This applies to business owners. It applies to you know, people funding family vacations or whatever you want to do. But no matter who you are, this is a better system that will make everything that you're doing, especially real estate, that much better. And I hope, hope you saw kind of the broad context of that today. Um, really, what we'd like you to do is we'd like you to go to our website, which is ParadigmLife.net. And on ParadigmLife.net, you're going to see um, our, our infinite one-on-one -on -one section. We have a lot of courses on there that will talk more specifically about some of the logistics and some of the numbers behind this strategy. You can also request a consultation with one of, uh, one of the wealth strategists here at Paradigm Life. And our goal is to work with you one-on-one -on -one to find out what your goals are and how you can accomplish those more effectively using some of the concepts we taught you today. So thank you for taking the time out with us. Enjoy the Cashflow Wealth Summit. Again, you're in the right spot, getting the right education. So enjoy. Thanks again. You've been listening to the Wealth Standard Radio Show, your gold standard in everything financial.